Welcome to Career Tools. This week, part one of Getting Ready to Get Promoted, chapter one, results. Folks, before we begin, a brief promotional announcement for our paid products. Uh, Many of you talk frequently about how we are generous with what we give away. The podcast will always be free. Let's keep in mind, there are mouths to feed in the Manager Tools family. And uh, this is a for-profit business that is profitable enough that we can support the continuation of the podcast. Please remember, the free podcasts are supported by our licensees and those who purchase our products and come to our conferences. We'd encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, to take a look. You will find everything we do is of the same quality or higher than the podcast. Thanks for taking your time to look. Okay, so Wendy, we're going to start a long series about how to get promoted, and I assume we're going to be boring for a while, that people are asking us for what I assume are silver bullets, which hopefully we've dispelled the idea that there is any such thing in management and the same thing basically in careers, right? Absolutely. I just had an email from someone that said, um, what, did you, what do you do if your GPA is tanking? Mine's 3.0 at the moment. <laughs> Work harder. Yeah. Like, like, what else do you want me to tell you? There is no other solution. You're still in college, work harder, get a better GPA. I think people generally shy away from long, slow, steady marches. Mm-hmm. Um, they prefer long-distance rifle shots that are bullseyes that no one else knows about. They want the tricks and tips. And I think that's a function and part of the internet culture where people have websites that say 25 tricks and tips and so on, as opposed to, the long, slow slog of being a professional and doing things right and getting ahead um, by treating people well and by achieving results. Results, which is exactly where we're going to start. Isn't it like the ultimate immunization for a sickness in your career? Is getting it is results? absolutely true. Yeah. If you get results, you can get away with all kinds of other stuff. You're right. Yeah, I, I don't often think of it that way. Because... But that's totally what it is. Uh, People who complain about companies that have a a difficult culture, maybe a, you know, at times even an abusive culture at its extreme are really in just what amounts to probably a results culture where, as is often the case in, uh, on Wall Street, there are people who are so good at achieving results when they're not as nice to people, Mm -hmm. people look the other way. Um, And we're not suggesting you go that far, folks. But results ultimately are your primary calling card for the rest of your professional life. It's okay to miss results. It's not okay to suggest that they're not the single most important thing in your career. So lay it out for us, Wendy. Okay, so we're going to go over, uh, find out what results you're responsible for. Oh, I just talked to some managers about this. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because you can't get results or the right results unless you know what you're responsible for. Then you need to quantify them because you can't, achieve them if you don't know what what the measure is right when you need an action plan to make sure you achieve the results that's the long slow march that you just talked about then there's report on the results so that other people know that you've done it and then go beyond what you're responsible for because if you don't go the extra mile you just are average and then finally don't achieve results at the expense of relationships exactly and that's that's what i was alluding to earlier that so many people do Okay. Well, I, I know you are on the, you and I are on the same page in so many things, but this one is just one of my favorite topics. The number of managers in the world, 
and professionals too. I, I was talking about this at, at an effective manager conference about if you don't know what you're responsible for, you think, or you don't know what you're being measured on, you think that puts you in, good, in a good place because they can't get rid of you if they can't measure you. Folks, if they can't measure you, you're already on the bubble. And if somebody in the audience kind of shrugged their shoulders and then the guy next to him said, what does on the bubble mean? And I said, what it, what it means is you're on the list of people who might go if there's a layoff. And then you have to prove why you shouldn't go. And he said, really? Like, there's a list like that? I said, oh, yeah, there's a list like that. And if you have, if you have un, uh, uh, unquantifiable or unclear results, or as long as your boss is, quote, happy with you, you're okay, uh, no, you're on the bubble. You're right. And the bottom line is you can't be successful unless you know what it is that the measure of success is. If you set any goal, if you say, I want to run a marathon, then getting to the end of your marathon is your success, your measure of a success. If you want to, if you say, I, I want to try out for a team, then getting on the team is your measure of success. Well, and, and when you say marathon, it's because the reason everybody understands that is because it's a well-defined, it's 26.2 miles. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so everyone assumes that. And so they assume that a job that's been around for years, therefore, has some standards. It may not be clear to me, but as, but my boss is the keeper of my success. And as long as he or she says, I'm okay, I'm okay. But if you ask somebody who's running a marathon, how long is it? They can tell you. If you ask a manager or a professional, what's your job? What, what are you being measured on? And they don't know. Guys, dudes, you're in trouble. Yeah, you're running and you don't know where the end is. And yeah. That's, that's, that's not a good psychological place. No, from. definitely yeah. not. Yeah. And everything is measurable. There's a, there's a cast, which is one of my favorites, which is called John and the Gate Guards. Yes. Which is about the measurability of, the, of things and what to do when you can't measure something. For example, customer relationships. Have good customer relationships, which is on lots of people's annual goals. But what's the definition of good and how do you quantify a customer relationship? Well, you can look at things like how many compliments you get, how many um, issues you have that you've resolved, how many issues you've got that have had to be escalated to somebody else to be um, resolved. You can look at a comparison of the amount of money that your customer you you've brought in from that customer this year over last year. There's a bunch of ways you can you can look at customer relationships, and yet everybody seems to have on their on their annual review good customer relationships. So if you've got something like that, you've got to think about what is the goal, what am I trying to achieve, how am I going to measure that? Um, and John and the Gate Guards is a great cast to listen to if you don't have any ideas. Yeah, because because we I think we introduce or at least we allude to the idea of proxies there, where if you can't actually measure the thing you're doing, and there are some roles where it will be hard for you to do that. We respect that. Um, you can come up with proxies, which you believe are reasonable approximations, and proxy is a shortening of approximations, um, that say if we get these, we believe they're good indications that we're getting the thing that ultimately we want, but which is brutally hard to measure, at least on the small scale that I'm at rather than on the corporate scale, which we tend to measure with profits. Yeah. Hopefully you've got an idea of what results you are responsible for. Hopefully they are on your annual plan or your annual review, but not everybody's are. 
And so one way to think about this is the way I always think about it if I'm trying to start from scratch is what would you have to do to get fired? So if you're on an IT help desk, for instance, and you answered no tickets in a week, would you get fired? Probably yes. There is a minimum number of tickets you have to answer in order not to get fired. Even if it's unspoken, there is a minimum number. So that's your minimum goal. And now you need to work out what the maximum goal is and, and what your goal is going to be in between that. Yeah, I, I have found that there, there are a series of questions. I don't think we have time to go in them here, but we probably ought to come back to this at some point, Wendy, that are helpful to help people scope these kinds of issues out. Um, it's a whole nother sidecast um, around, okay, you mentioned about what's the minimum. Another one is, what does your boss hate? Now, that may not be a measure, but it should give you some indication. They'll give you an indication. And what you can actually do is ask a series of questions that will shine light on the stuff in the center that are actually the key things. We often joke at the conference that many managers mistakenly believe that the things they spend the most time on are the things that are most valuable. And in fact, there's plenty of evidence which shows that the things people spend the most time on, managers and professionals both, is the thing they like to do. But ask yourself, when people get in trouble, what do they get in trouble for? Now, a lot of people deliberately say, well, for making the boss angry. Well, okay, but what are the boss's hot spots? Yeah. And if you're responsible for revenues and costs both, ask who got the last butt chewing. Was it the guy who blew his cost number or the guy who didn't make his revenue number? You know, there are people in sales who probably overspend their expense account, but if they make their number and they make it by a lot, they'll probably be forgiven that other thing. So they're not going to spend a lot of time on expenses. They're going to spend a lot more time on revenue creation. Revenue creation being the key. And, and maybe profitability is the key, but in the beginning, revenue matters in order to get some sort of some profitability. There's no, there's no profit out of zero revenue. Exactly. We do need to do another cast to help them, help people with that because it will it will it may not be black and white and and the sad thing is your boss may never understand it, but you need to have some defensibility. So once you have a list, once you've worked out a list, well, one of the things you can do is take it to your boss and ask him to validate it. It's possible that things, some things that you think are important are not important to him at all. As you've just said, like bosses have hotspots, they have things they hate and they have things they love that make little sense to you. I used right. to have a boss, I've said this multiple times, I used to have a boss and every month I produced a report for him in Excel and the charts, he hated the colours that Excel automatically put in in charts. And so if I sent him the report with the automatic colours, he would send it back and say, this isn't right. And then I had to sit there and change the colours. And it was stupid. But that was his thing. And so if there's something that's your boss's thing, then it needs to be on your list. And while you're having that conversation with your boss, you might want to tell him, I'm doing this work because I'd like to be considered for promotion. And that's a really, you gotta be careful with that. It's a kind of politically dodgy thing to do. If you're already getting awesome results and you know it and your boss has been telling you that and your review is really good, then saying it's a good thing. If you're getting crappy results and your, your boss isn't generally happy with you and your annual, your last annual review wasn't good, you didn't get a, a raise and other people did, you probably want to keep it quiet, at least for now, because 
you're starting this as a campaign. Getting promoted is an 18-month campaign. And for the people that are already getting results, you can let people know that you want it. I think this is one of those subtlety things. The general rule is if you feel that there is a window that your boss agrees with about your promotion or potential promotion, if there is a promotability culture and your boss agrees with it, um, if your boss is not a curmudgeon, if you believe something from your boss's perspective suggests that he or she is open to it, then I think you can mention that. I think if not, what you say is, I just want to be clear about my results are because I want to make it easy for you to measure me and I want to make it easy for me to make decisions about what I need to do. Yeah. I guarantee you folks, some of you will have a boss who doesn't want to think about promotion, which is no fun, but we've talked before about how little you can manage your boss. And then when you say, I want to make it easy for you to measure me, that boss will say, and I, I wish I didn't have to say this, it sounds cynical, but let's be honest, that boss will say something like, well, don't think that if you meet all your numbers, you're okay, because, you know, you're responsible for everything, everything that your boss tells you, you know, everything your boss says you're supposed to be responsible for, even if it's not black and white. And they're just giving themselves a, a weasel window in which to find you at fault when, in fact, they agreed you should do X, Y, and Z. You did X, Y, and Z, but they've decided that, yeah, they don't have the resources to promote you or to get you the raise you want. And they so, just don't want to. No, they just don't want to. They're not that kind of person. They're not an abundance mentality person. And so they're just going to zing you for it. And, folks, that's the nature of having a boss. And there's both good sides and bad sides to that, but tread cautiously here. And when your boss validates it, be thankful. And if they don't validate it, but on the other hand, they don't say, no, this is crap, then you have to make a decision. And the decision we would recommend you make is choose something and say, these are the things I'm doing. Clearly pay attention when your boss says, why are you working on that? You should be working on this. And there'll be some of you who your boss wants to leave you up in the air so they can simply treat you as a pair of hands to do their bidding. And they don't want you to have a plan because they don't, and that would put them in conflict with you, and they want to be in charge of you rather than in conflict with you. There's nothing we can do about those bosses in the world, and that's why we've got manager tools to get rid of them all. But if you come up with something and your boss doesn't validate it, but she doesn't say this is wrong, you can use that. It may not protect you, but it'll make things clear. And if nothing else, it'll give you stuff to put on your resume. Not because you're going to leave. Because that was exactly yeah. where I was going. Yeah. I was like, the, the upside is it goes on your resume. Yeah, and, and not because you're going to leave. Not because, oh, my gosh, you're going to leave. But because you're constantly building your resume, guys. That's part of your career management tool, your career management skills. is, is managing the, the history of your performance. You're obligated to do that for your family, for your future. I can't, I can't tell you the number of people I've met that have these vague aspirations to be very senior in big organizations. No plan, no clear idea. And they say, well, nobody's ever told me what to do, so I'm just kind of doing my best, and I'm here. I said, why don't you try this or this or this or this or this? Well, I'm not really sure. I'm like, yeah, I can tell you, you better learn pretty quick. 
So be cautious of the tone you take with your boss. Recognize that what you're doing is a completely legitimate thing. There are slight political ramifications, even more if you suggest it's about getting promoted, unless he or she has already said, let's see if we can't get you promoted, or implied that that kind of thing is on the table for you. You can still benefit from this for your own clarity, particularly if you're a manager and for the clarity for your team, if you get validation. Err on the side of caution. Yes. On this one. If you're if you're not sure, then don't say I'm doing it because I want to be promoted. Exactly. Okay, so the next thing to do once you have your list of the goals that you're you're trying to achieve is to quantify the results. So if you haven't got you haven't got that far when you've thought about it the first time or you're you haven't got anything out of your boss in terms of quantify quantified results, you need to think about how to quantify them. So some examples for you keep the customers happy which might be a goal for example you could look at having less than two customer complaints per month you could say all customer complaints resolved to the customer satisfaction more than two customer compliments per month yeah and and you might say well how do i know what the number is pick one well there's 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 another way to pick and one way to do that look most people actually are pretty close with their pick my suggestion is, look at the data, guys. Now, look, if you're starting something new and there's no data, put a stake in the ground and tell your boss, we have no idea, nobody's ever done this job before. But, but for the vast majority of jobs, there's some results history, there's reporting history. Guys, as a general rule, what you have to report on is stuff that matters to the organization. It helps people make future decisions anyway. So it's absolutely worth studying what's reported to determine whether or not that's measurable stuff. It would be a little bit weird if you reported on nothing that you measured, because it's really hard to report on something that's not measured, and you didn't measure things that mattered to the rest of the organization. But, but look at the data. Look at the historical data. If you're worried that there's been an upheaval and the uh, customer data is hard to track into current, multiply it by some factor. If you're uncertain and you don't, look, for whatever you do, don't put down zero um, for mistakes or 100% because you're just never going to get there because of, because of the whole humanity problem we have being flawed. And take a look and, and come up with a number and say, boss, it's going to take me probably six months to a year to figure out what the actual number is. But I think if nothing else, I had to leave my successor in this job with a clear understanding of here are the standards and I'm willing to do it and report on it. And if I don't meet it, tell you I don't meet it and then get better. If you set a number that's a little high and maybe you miss it, but then you meet it and then you lower it and you meet it again and you lower it and you meet it again, that looks really, really, really good. Now, if your boss wants to change it, he or she can change it. And yes, there's absolutely risks that you will say to number like five, because historically, let's say four was tolerable in terms of mistakes per month. I'm making that up. And your boss says, no, I'd like it to be two. You better keep your data. You better keep your research handy. So when you can't get to two, you can show a trend line that says, well, for the previous two years, it was at four and the goal is now two. And we were at five and now we're down to 3.1. And if somebody were to ask you in a meeting, why is it two? All of a sudden, say, I, I suggested that it stay four. And unfortunately, I was overruled. And 
who overruled you? I wouldn't care to say, sir. <laughs> That's, I, I've said that before in a meeting. And they finally chuckle and go, who is it? Sorry, my boss. He said he wanted to. Do you think you can get it? I said, it doesn't matter whether I think it. He told me I should. I tried. And if you want to hold me accountable, hold me accountable. And there are some of you who are listening right now who says, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like the bright line that quantifiable results bring in. And that's okay. Just remember, you're fine. Don't do what we recommend in this cast, and you'll be on the bubble. And you can pay me now, or you can pay me later. Indeed. Okay, um, another example of a vague goal would be manage risk. Oh, God, classic. Manage the risks. Okay, so what do you need to do? You need to identify the risks and create a risk register, create a risk mitigation strategy, and ensure that the strategy is implemented. Right, exactly. Creating the strategy, and by the way, that would have a number of steps in it, and ensuring the strategy is implemented and reporting that it's implemented, um, all of those things help manage risk. Even if a potential risk that is planned for actually happens, the planning for it reduces the, the impact of it. And some people say, well, we manage risk and there's no way to, there's nothing you can do about, you know, some risks happen, some tidal waves, some typhoons happen. And the answer is yes, but no one suggested that your job as a risk manager was to eliminate typhoons. Your job is to hedge our bets enough so that when it does happen, the impact on our portfolio is small enough that we can continue to meet the needs of the stakeholders and the shareholders. Yeah, so manage risk is one that a lot of people stumble over. And one more, uh, guarantee the facility's appearance adheres to company standards and safety protocol, which is one that when I've worked in restaurants, we've had that a lot. Make sure the appearance is good. Right. Okay. So the goals or the tasks that you would want to go through in order to get to a quantified goal would be to establish what the standards and protocol are. Right. And then measure against them on on a regular basis and achieve them. 99% 99% of the time or 95% of the time. Right. And there, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story about this. Um, those of you who are as old as me know that in the 1960s, I never got to eat out, not out when I was a kid. It's much more common now than it was, at least in America. Now in, the, in 2014, it's much more common than it was in the 1960s. In the 1960s, McDonald's began taking America by storm. For those of you who look down your nose at McDonald's, I'm sorry, the food is always hot and fresh. And for those of us who are in the Army, we think it's pretty darn good. It's not In-N-Out. It's not Primanti's. It's not Five Guys. Um, but it's pretty darn good food. And they've served billions and billions and billions of people. Anyway, McDonald's is famous for being clean. Ray Koch said that, that, that the, the average American mother, the first thing she wanted was a clean restaurant. And so he was fanatical about clean. So much so, the story goes that if there was one fly found in your restaurant, you failed a test from corporate headquarters, from the franchise grantor corporate headquarters. That's how serious it was, just one fly. And what became somewhat iconic about that was McDonald's figured out that one way to do that was to keep their stores overpressurized. And have all the doors be doors that you, they're swinging doors that you have to push in to get into the store. And the reason that was good, because in order to push in, it was very hard to push against the overpressurized internal atmosphere. 
You have to be strong yeah, and a fly a can't kid, do it. A little kid couldn't couldn't push the door open. Well, what was important was not just the fly couldn't do it, dude. It's that when they push, when you finally opened the door, there was so much pressure. There was a gale coming out of the door that a fly could not fly through. There was so much wind created, the fly couldn't get in. You know, that's one thing you could do to make sure you meet the standards. Something else that so many professionals miss is asking your peers, your coworkers, and if you're a manager and you're doing this and you're talking to your boss to include your directs in this discussion of how do we quantify it? And don't stint on asking those people who have been with you for a long time. They probably are ruling their eyes in part because they have been there before. They have seen it come and go. They've seen measures come and go. They've seen quality circles and this and that and the other thing. And they may have some point of view. They may be a little cynical and a little jaded, but they may tell you, oh, that won't work or this won't work. But they may give you some good ideas, and you don't want to be the one that ignores others' inputs. You don't have to include everything, but you listen. You ask, and you listen, and you filter what works and what doesn't work, and you make a decision. And this is not judgment-free career tools, so you're going to have to make a choice. Yeah, and asking other people, I mean, there's mentors or people oh, that have yeah. gone before you. Um, you can ask on our forums for other people that are doing similar jobs. Job descriptions are often good sources of quantified goals because often it says you will be expected to achieve x y and z so even if it's not your job description of the actual job in your company that you're doing but you just browse one of the job boards often you can get ideas from there as well so there's lots of places to find out what your goals should be and what how to quantify them you just have to go look we'd be happy to help That's it for this week, folks. Come back next week where we conclude our discussion about results and how they help you get ready to get promoted.